1: Hello, this is Dr. Joe Beam. Welcome to Our Marriage Helper Live. We are trying to broadcast, I hope it's happening. We're trying to broadcast at the same time on YouTube and Facebook. Unfortunately, we can't do that with a camera as we normally do because of the fact that (laughs) I'm working out of my home studio. My home studio is not soundproofed and all these other wonderful things. And so if you hear noises in the background, it's traffic going by, or it's uh, my laptop making too much noise, or whatever it might be. And so forgive me for any extraneous noises that you hear. I'm glad that you're joining us. I'm going to do my best to get to as many questions as I possibly can. And here we go. I'm going to start with the first caller. and we're going to talk to Angela in Illinois. Hi, Angela. How may we help you today?
2: Hi, thanks for taking my call.
3: Um, Are you on a speakerphone,
1: Angela? Angela? Are you on a speakerphone?
2: I'm not. I'm talking through my headset, so maybe that's contributing to extra noise. Let me switch out. Hold on.
1: (laughs) Okay, because it's causing an echo for me. And with my hearing problem, that gets really interesting. Uh, Back in the 19... Well, I want him to say all I am right now, but back in the day, I listened to too much rock and roll and shot my ears. And so now I have hearing problems. Okay. Let's try it again. Angela, are you there?
2: Yes. Can you hear me? Great.
1: Much, much better. Thank you so much.
2: Okay. Thank you. Um, my question is, um, how do I implement smart contact when my, um, my husband has pretty much limited or cut off communication with me. Um, he has uh, limited or blocked me from social media and also um, often blocks my phone calls. And uh-huh. um, and for the most part, I, I'm not calling him often or being a nuisance. Um, uh-huh. In addition, uh, we do have two children together, but they have their own devices where he can contact them. And so that uh-huh. also limits the time that we communicate with one another. Um, uh-huh. So that's kind of that's, – that's pretty much um, – uh, the question and then the second uh, second part of that question is um I don't know how do I know when i'm i, I guess uh stop that I've implemented um i I feel like it could possibly be a further pushing him into the idea that divorce is um is the best way to go. We are not currently in the process, but we are separating, we've been separated since summer of last year
1: hmm Well, it's tough, of course, to do smart contact when the other person will not have contact with you. I mean, it becomes very difficult. Uh, Smart contact is exactly that. It's contact that's smart, which means that if the other person doesn't want to talk to you, you don't force it to occur. And therefore, you're not trying to find some way to get around his blocks or around his devices, those kinds of things. Because if you do that and you already know that he doesn't want to be talking to you, then that's not very smart because it just irritates him if there is something that has to do with some business you have to share, then then sometimes you might have to actually communicate that originally through a third party. So, for example, I'm, and and my, may not apply directly to you, Angela, but it may apply to other people out there. For example, if, if uh, you needed to talk about a bill that needs to be paid and he won't talk to you directly, then sometimes you'll have to find an intermediary that he will talk to just to contact the intermediary and say, hey, we've got to make a decision about, how are we going to file the taxes or how we are going to pay this bill? And then ask him, please, to give me a call just so we can talk about those things. But you can't do smart contact by forcing anything. And I know that's frustrating. I know it is. The reason we talk about doing the pies, the physical, intellectual, emotional, spiritual, is because of the fact that you do those so that you can become the best you that you can be. Even if you're having no contact with him whatsoever. Now, believe it or not, well, let me back up and say one thing before I say this. Always do the physical, intellectual, emotional, spiritual development. Always do that for you. Always for you. Because if you do it just to get certain responses from him and you don't get the responses that you're anticipating or wanting, then you'll quit doing the pies. And that's not good because the pies are for you to help you become the best you that you can be. Now, one of the side benefits from doing the pies is if there are any people, anybody, That has contact with both you and him then these people can and probably at some point will we can't guarantee it but it's highly likely will report to him hey wow you should see how angela is doing and they'll refer to you either in physical terms intellectual emotional spiritual terms and say nice things about you and we hope that that third party information gets back to him but even if it does not even if it does not, you're still doing the best thing for you by working on the pies. So sorry, Angela. I wish I had some magic formula for this, Not him not, not wanting to communicate with you at all. Now, let me make sure I understood the second question. Are you saying that you're about to file for divorce? Is that what I heard or did I misunderstand?
2: No. Um, so so um, my, uh, my husband wants to file. Um, I Mm -hmm. have already told him very plainly, like, you know, I understand his position and why he wants Mm -hmm. to do that. Um, and just to just kind of a side note, like we, we, as, as far as I know, there's no infidelity or affairs going on, although he's expressed that he wants to start, you know, seeing other people Mm -hmm. He's already started dating, but he has stated very, you know, clearly he wants to move forward with the divorce. And I said that I'm not going to be the one to initiate that. If that's something he wants to do, he would have to do it. Um, yeah. What I have done, um, which kind of escalated his his expression and desiring like I want a divorce, is that I have filed um, child support only because we literally went mm-hmm. six months without him contributing yeah. um, you know, to, to supporting you know, and I also had made it very clear I was willing to work with him what makes our what makes our what makes our situation a little bit more difficult is not only does he not really contact our children as much as you know uh, they would like and i would would have hoped mm-hmm. he would like or would have wanted but um he's also getting ready to move uh to the west coast in the summer and so mm-hmm. i was I had communicated with her I was willing to work with him, but you know I needed to basically see something now in good faith to continue a plan when he when he moved in in the summer. And so he, he didn't really do, he didn't do that and he kind of broke two of the three points we had agreed on about, you know, mm-hmm. supporting, you know, providing some mm-hmm. type of support. And mm-hmm. so because he had done that, I moved forward with filing. And so he, mm-hmm. like, he didn't okay. believe me until he actually got the papers. Um, mm-hmm. And so that really kind of cut off communication. Uh, we had an in-person conversation about that, and he just was, you know, really upset, and that really has cut off uh, communication. And he even told our kids, like, I I won't be visiting as much. Um, he it, it's, and I don't want to oh, I mean, have time, but it, it just has made it a little bit more difficult, and so I'm just kind of like, you know, I'm certainly working mm-hmm. on the pies for myself and not doing all of that stuff. Mm-hmm. And I was already pretty much kind so, of on that transition. So he's making you the bad guy, out.
1: right? He's making you the bad guy to you, yeah. telling you it's all your fault, and making you. How old are your children, if I may ask, Angela? Uh,
2: 16 and 11.
1: Okay, are they old enough to understand what's really going on? At least the 16 year old.
2: They, they are. They are. We've had. Many frank conversations about it. We, I made okay. the decision to put a fall in therapy because we needed to work through it. And They okay. do understand. Um, all right, so what's the kids know that you're not the villain here.
1: The kids know that you're right. not the villain. Is that correct?
2: Right, right. They do know. Okay. And in fact, I, you know, I've told him you can come. You know, you can pick mm-hmm. them up. He, I just, I did have to implement a stop where I, I asked him to not. He can couldn't visit with them in, in my home, but he could come pick them hmm. up anytime he wanted and, you okay. know, and have, you know, have a time Well, them,
1: interestingly, he, he needs, he needs I have on that. my schedule that tomorrow, hopefully tomorrow, <laughs> I have on my schedule I'm going to be recording a, a new set of, of videos actually about how to do stops and it sounds like you already understand enough about that and so good for you. I'm happy for you. The bad news when it comes to dads and kids is this. Statistically speaking, and I realize that nobody is a statistic but statistically speaking 25% in America. America, 25% of fathers within one year of the time that they leave have little to nothing to do with their children, which is extremely sad. I'm glad that your children understand when he tries to make you the villain, like, okay, because what your mom did, I'm not going to be coming around as much. I'm glad that they're old enough and mature enough to understand that. But Angela also know this. When they demonstrate anger, it's going to be much more likely that they'll demonstrate the anger toward you than toward your husband. And the reason for that will be this. You're there. You're safe. And when we express anger, we typically express anger where we feel the safest, where we don't feel like we're going to lose something. And if they express anger to him, then it's less likely he comes around. And so, therefore, if if they do express it to one of you, in all likelihood, it will be toward you. I wish that wasn't the case, but it's exactly the way that it is. And as far as you going ahead and filing so you get child support, I think that's actually what you have to do, my friend. You know, we often talk about don't do things that push the other person away, but there's some pushes in life that you really just have to do. And when you are trying to take care of a 16-year-old, 11-year-old and yourself, you have to have money to do that. And if he's not contributing toward that, then making that happen is a push, no doubt about it. And you saw the negative consequences on his part when you did that push. But that's what I would call an essential push. It's not one you did to control him. Those are pushes that are really bad. I'm gonna do this so I can control you and make you do what I want you to do. Almost always ends up being a bad thing. But what you did wasn't that. You weren't doing this controlling kind of push or even a vengeance kind of push. You were doing what I would call an essential push. And the essential push is we've gotta have money and I'm gonna do that. I'm, I'm sorry that he reacted negatively, but that's not your fault, my friend. It sounds to me, Angela, like you're doing all the right things. I am so sorry. And my guess is if he indeed does move to the West Coast, the kids are going to have very little contact with him. And so your job as a mom is going to be even tougher. And I'm sorry for that. I wish I had a magic formula for that, but I do not. Uh, I, all I know is if you have people around you that can rally around you and your children to be a support system for them, wonderful. But in that support system, whether it's your friends, your relatives, you know, like your sister, your mom, whatever, in that support system, I hope there will be some good male m- m- role model. That's what I'm looking for here a good male role model. And please explain to all of those people, if they become a support system for you and your children, please explain to them that they never, ever. Say anything negative about these children's father, your husband. There's no reason to throw him under the bus with them. They're old enough; they'll see the things he's doing that he shouldn't be doing. They'll understand that. But it's not going to benefit anybody. Nobody in no way is it going to benefit anybody. If, if you, and I, I don't think you will. You sound actually extremely intelligent, young lady. But make sure your friends as well do not throw him under the bus with those kids. I wish that we had a way, some magic phrase, some magic formula that if you did this, instantly the other person straightens up and does right. We don't. Somebody does. Even those people on the internet that are claiming for a forty-nine, ninety-nine, 249 that they'll give you the magic words, and you just say what I tell you to say, and you do what I tell you to do, and your spouse will come back begging you for forgiveness and want to have sex with you, they even say. I saw one that says that every day for the rest of your life, and those people are charlatans and frauds. If you want to throw your money away, there's a whole lot better ways to do it than to give it to those people. Okay, now we're going to move on. And by the way, Angela, I am impressed with you. You sound an extremely mature, young lady. Very mature. And so now we're going to go to Germany and talk to Bob. Hi, Bob. How are you today? Hi. Hello, uh, Dr. Bing. How are you? What time is it in Germany right now, my friend? It's
4: quarter to eight.
1: In the evening? Mm-hmm. Yeah, how may yeah, I help yeah. you today?
4: So I'm going uh, to a really tough situation. Um, I, My wife, told me a month ago that she wants to leave me. We have been together for almost 11 years. It would be 11 Mm. years and five days. We have two kids. Uh, Mm. And, you know, after she told told me that she wants to leave me, you know, after a week or or 10 days, she she already started sleeping with somebody else. And Mm. she's just saying that she's just tired of being, you know, depending on me for you know for so long and she wants to be you know uh, on her own to do her own thing and the problem is i'm you know i'm from a different country she's from a different country we're both living here and she keeps making those threats like you have to give me this otherwise you know i'm taking to court and and you you like you you i will you know take all the money that you have or you have to go back to your home country or you have to do this and i like I really love her, and I wanted to make her marriage work, but she's just mm-hmm. acting like a teenager and and uh, i don't mm-hmm. want her to just throw away eleven years of her life like this.
5: Mm-hmm.
4: My mm-hmm. youngest is three, my oldest is uh seven, and mm-hmm. the oldest can see and you know and the way that he talks to me and he's just i'm I'm constantly crying, and uh I'm just feeling lost because I don't want her to. To make hmm. you know, to make a, a fight between us, and then, you know, she always said that if I don't, if I don't do what she wants, she's gonna make the kids hate me, and and I just I'm completely no. lost because even that I love her, I don't want her hmm. to just, you know, go around sleeping and spend all the money that you know took us hmm. so long to save to buy a house. And then, mm-hmm. and and just like yes, I had fun. You know, she's acting mm-hmm. like a teenager right now, and I don't know how yeah. she. So she how old is your wife, her. Bob? How old is she? Right, right how now. How old? Uh, she's thirty. She's thirty-one right now. Okay,
1: and with are the, the marriage kids marriage living, living with in. you, or are the kids living with her?
4: We 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 still living together because of the coronavirus. You know, she's not. Okay, so you're still living
1: together. Okay.
4: Yeah. And and, then once and has it, anything she, occurred she
1: in her life in the last? Six to twelve months. That's a pretty significant change, like the loss of a parent yeah. or the loss of a job. Mm-hmm.
4: Uh, she she was a stay mom, uh, stay home mom, and then mm-hmm. she got a job uh, eight months ago, and then she mm-hmm. starts going out with a lot of you know people from uh, the, just students and start doing a lot of drinking, a lot of party. Mm. We had to fight every month about this because I, I, would, I would tell her that she wasn't acting like, you know, her mother and she's just saying that I was just trying to control her. Mm-hmm. And then, she, you know, she was mature enough to make her own decisions and make her own mistakes. And we would every month we would have a, a fight about, you know, the whole drinking, the whole, you know, wanting to stay away
1: for a And that was day not time. part of her life before that? She didn't drink a lot and those that kind was- of things before that? Okay. No, no. Have her morals In in your estimation, have her morals changed pretty significantly? Her beliefs about what's right Uh, and what's wrong?
4: I'm not I'm not sure. I think she just as she was a stay at home mother, and now she got a job, and she's she's just feeling empowered to do whatever she wants. And if I if I try to talk to her that you know I don't think what she's doing is right, she just thinks that I'm trying Mm -hmm. to control her, and both think that she.
1: So Bob, beforehand, before all this happened, before all this happened, were you controlling or not?
4: Uh, She said that I was always controlling, Uh, but you know there are some things. Yeah, but did she ever say say
1: that before she took this job outside the home eight months ago, like two years ago, was she saying that you're controlling? Ah yes. Okay. Because, do you uh, think like, she was right?
4: Yes. And no. So for example, she would stay watching TV all day and we would have fights about, you know, I would ask her like, why didn't you help, you know, clean the house or, you know, did some activities and she mm-hmm. said, I just don't feel like it. You know? And she said, this is kind of me controlling mm-hmm. her to make her do things that she didn't want to do.
1: Mm-hmm. And so that, did she feel kind of like you were acting like her father?
4: Uh, I don't. No, no, she never said that. She just she, she said, said that, that you're I, controlling. I was, yeah, okay. I was just always making her do things that she didn't It's just want kind to of do. interesting
1: because you used the word. You said she's acting like a teenager, like she wants to be free again, and so I'm picking up on that. And that she says, I don't want you to control me. I want to go out and do what I want to do, all those kinds of things. And and it sounds almost as if, now understand, I'm, all I know is what you're telling me here, so I cannot give you a definitive description of everything that's happening in her mind, because God, obviously, I don't know. But based on what you're telling me, these are the kind of words we typically hear from somebody who is in rebellion, like, okay, I have discovered something new, and I want to try that. Now, it can happen when a person has a sense of loss. That's why I ask you, like, if a parent had died or something like that, that can generate these kinds of things happening. Well, where it can happen in a case like yours, where they, they change environment, and now they're around people, they're not typically around, doing things they don't typically do, and it kind of becomes attractive to them. And so in that kind of situation, sometimes they will rebel against the life they had before, and they'll start doing all the things that they think they want to do, which often is being uh, actually generated by the people that have become her new peer group. And so I'm very, very sorry that this is happening to you. I really do. Now, the fact that she says, either you're going to do what I want you to do. I'm going to make the kids hate you or think all these bad things about you is a terrible threat. I mean, it's a threat that a mature person would not make that a person who loves his or her children would not make. Now, Let me back up a bit. I'm not saying she doesn't love her children, but she's certainly not thinking. And if she's making that as an idle threat, then she's not considering it as as something that's actually going to hurt her children. If she's considering it as a real threat, that she's really going to try to do that, then she's not manifesting love toward her children because that's a terrible thing to do to them. Now, I would not, if, if it were I, and I certainly cannot tell you what to do. You have to make your own decisions. But if it were I, I would certainly not yield to her demands, whatever she wants me to do, just because of the fact that she's threatening to make the kids hate me because you're still around the kids because of the virus. You guys are still living together. The kids get to see who you are. They get to spend time with you, get to interact with you. And the only way they'll wind up hating you is not because she somehow brainwashes them unless she's like some kind of an expert in brainwashing. It's not because of the fact that you're going to brainwash them. Whatever they feel or think about you is going to be based on your interactions with them. And as long as you're being the loving, kind father that's there for them, I think the likelihood of her getting them to hate you is not going to be very strong. Now, I'm not saying it doesn't exist at all, but I'm saying it's not a very strong personality. And it's kind of difficult for her, of course, in this current environment with this virus that she can get all the freedom that she wants Because I don't know what's happening in Germany where you guys are, but here in the United States, I think 37 of our 50 states now have pretty strict closures of business that are not essential, which includes the bars and the nightclubs and those kinds of things. And so if she wants me to do those things again, I don't know what's happening in Germany, but I imagine that's a lot more difficult than it was before. So my friend, what can you do? Well, we call it the PIES, physical, intellectual, emotional, spiritual. If you go to youtube.com slash marriage helper, marriage helper being one word, we have hundreds of videos there on various topics, and a lot of them have to do with marriages that are in trouble, such as yours. I would suggest you look for the ones about PIES, P-I-E-S, and, and get into those. And, Bob, what I will do for you, we can jot down your number here, and I'm going to do that while I'm talking. And I hope the number I see is actually one that we can get back to you with. I don't know how this works with the international numbers. But I'm going to make available to you for free if you don't have it already my gift. I'm going to give you an online 10-week course. That called Save My Marriage that'll guide you through the things to do that are most likely to help bring this thing into a resolution where you can save your marriage. As we often say about it, if anything works, this will. If anything works, this will. And Bob, the number I just jotted down, if somehow we can't contact you back by that, then I'm going to ask you this. Please contact us at marriagehelper.com and say, hey, I'm the guy in Germany. I'm Bob in Germany that uh, Dr. Beam offered me the free online course. And let's see if we can help you in that way. So to summarize very quickly, and I realize I'm talking way too long here. If I were you, my friend, I would not kowtow to her desires because of her threats. Now it's your decision, but that's how I'd handle it. And now we're going to go from Germany over to Canada. Hi, Shannon. How are you?
6: Oh, fine. Thank you. How are you?
1: I am rockin' and boppin'. How may we help you today?
6: I'm just a little confused with my husband here. A little background. He left a year and a half ago um, with another woman, different city. It's been a rocky relationship between the two of them. Um, He's come back and forth with me all throughout. And then last December 2019, I just couldn't take it anymore. I just said, I'm done. You want to be mm-hmm. with her, go be with her. I'm out of your life.
1: Mm-hmm. Um,
6: he said, fine. And he we did get divorce rolling back in September. I did. Mm-hmm. Um, he wasn't ready for the court date. He was supposed to pick another court date. It never got picked. And he threatened me. He said, I'm going to get the ball rolling. I'm going to call my divorce lawyer. And I said, mm-hmm. you know what? Go ahead. He backed down right away and Mm -hmm. said, calm down, we can talk about this. Mm
1: -hmm. And then
6: I ignored it, and I haven't contacted him. And in the middle of February, he contacted me out of the blue, and Mm. he's been contacting me um, once a week, but lately it's been every day. And he's even kind of opened up to me a little bit, which he never does. Mm -hmm. So I don't know if he's realizing what he did was a big mistake, but he doesn't know, he's scared what to do. And I'm afraid that I'm gonna get my heart hurt, well I'm gonna let him in, I'm gonna to listen to what he has to say, and then all of a sudden things will get good with her again and he'll bugger off to her and there I am.
5: Hmm. Where
1: I don't blame him.
6: how do I tell? Is he <laughs> uh-huh.
1: Well, you know, Shannon, if I had the to... This, the the very specific, explicit answer to that, I would be a billionaire <laughs> because yeah, people all over the world would be paying me. Tell me exactly. Unfortunately, with human beings, it's just not that cut and dried. I'll tell you what's going on here, though, that I'm pretty sure I'm right about, and that's this. If he were in full-fledged limerence with her, he would not be contacting you every day. It would not happen. And the reason for that is that when a person is, I I noticed in the question that they've written down here for me that you talked to our screener. Oh, and by the way, for the rest of you guys, if you want to call, I should have said this earlier. The number is six five seven three eight three. 0812. That's six, five, seven, three, eight, three, zero, eight, one, two. And when you hear the answer, press the number one, so you can get in the line and be screened. So the question I see here is you actually refer to stage three, which means that you've listened to some of the stuff we teach about limerence. Is that right?
6: I have, I have, mm-hmm. cause I need trying to get a handle on what was going on in the beginning and I was doing everything wrong. Like I was pushing, I was pleading, I was mm-hmm. begging, I was doing everything possible because Mm -hmm. I just wanted him back. And then when I started listening to Limerence, I thought, oh, okay. Smart contact I've done, and I'm still doing Mm -hmm. it. Good, good. Even though he contacts me daily, I don't contact him. He either phones (laughs) me every day, or he'll text (laughs) Mm -hmm. me.
1: Okay. Is that because you're uh, trying to manipulate his feelings, or it's just because of the fact that you have no interest in calling him?
6: I'm afraid of... um, I'm just my heart has been broke so many times throughout this mm-hmm. that I'm afraid that if I give my whole heart out there again he's gotcha. just going to take it and I don't know I don't know.
1: I don't blame you. I mean, you know, we <laughs> people typically don't want pain and I certainly don't blame you one bit for that. But since you've already know you already know something about limerence, and I'm going to go into this very briefly for the other people listening who may not I uh, identify lemurs as having three basic stages. The first one is what I call infatuation, which I'm not going to explain right now. The second one is crystallization. And I'm going to explain only a little bit about that right now. And crystallization, they are totally obsessed with the other person. They can spend up to 85%, according to research, up to 85% of their waking hours thinking about the other person. And it's a, a matter of um, they they think the other person is... Perfect. Okay. They think they do no wrong. And often in that stage, often in that stage, they tend to vilify the spouse. Now, if he were vilifying you, he would not be calling you every day. If he were obsessively thinking about her, he would not be calling you every day. You see, limerence ends in one of three ways. And one of those ways is that they get together. Because part of what makes Limerence so powerful and strong emotionally is the fear that they're not going to wind up together. And when that fear kind of settles, like, well, we are together, that's when quite often you get to the situation of, wait a minute, (laughs) maybe this person is not as perfect as I thought he or she was. And I'm certainly not thinking about them. And when they enter into phase three, which is deterioration, when they enter into phase three is typically when they start remembering what they lost. Now, they don't think about it as they're in the top end of phase one or any time during phase two. Mm-hmm. But when they get into phase three, it start, wow, I gave up this. I lost this, those kinds of things. And so, Shannon, my prediction, my you know, of course, I'm guessing. I don't know. Your husband haven't talked to him. But it surely sounds to me like he's in phase three. And it looks to me like he has not vilified you to the point where that he doesn't want anything to do with you, which is often the case. Often the case that when a person finally gets into phase three, they have so vilified the spouse, so vilified the spouse that they still don't want anything to do with him or her. That very apparently is not the case of what's going on here. Now, let's say he continues to reach out to you. Hmm? Go ahead. I'm sorry.
6: Yeah, sorry. I did. We did meet each other because we live in like three hours away. We did meet each other the first weekend in March and Mm -hmm. um, we went out for lunch. Had a good mm-hmm. talk. He drove mm-hmm. down because I've got family, whatnot. Anyway, we mm-hmm. said our goodbyes and he started crying. And mm-hmm. he said, It's so hard to say goodbye. It hurts me so much. Gotcha. And when he talked, like now he's talking about his affair partner to me, I don't really care. <laughs> he says mm-hmm. he hasn't spoken to her in a while, he doesn't oh. want to. She called him and they began I'm sure
5: to
1: fight.
6: She does. Mm-hmm. So they so he hung up.
1: Yeah. Well good. Is it on, That's a good I think thing it's on the out. Well, here's the and, question for you, my friend. And I, I don't know if I'm asking for an answer or asking more rhetorically, but here's the question for you, and that would be is there any relationship that doesn't have some risk to it? Now, I know that. I know that this one in your mind, and I don't blame you. I would feel exactly the same way, has a tremendous amount of risk because of what he's done. But, you know, any relationship will be. Now, you may decide you want to be alone the rest of your life. And if you choose, of course, that's your right to do so if that's what you want to do. On the other hand, if you don't want to be, and you sound like a relatively young woman to me, then at least with him, you know where the landmines are. (laughs) What I mean by that is this, you know his strengths, you know his flaws, you know his idiosyncrasies. And and any new relationship that you were to start, or if you're already in, will have a list of unknowns in it. Now, you say, well, if I were to begin to take him back, that would have unknowns as well. In the sense that you worry that he might go back to her. Yes, I get that. Now, I cannot tell you definitively what he's going to do because human beings do what human beings do, and, and often they are unpredictable. But based on everything you're describing for me here, I would be shocked if he went back into a full-fledged relationship with her. Notice I said full-fledged. He might temporarily go back into a situation with her. That's always a possibility. But I think in this situation, even that is extremely unlikely. Now, I can't guarantee you that, but I'm saying it sounds very unlikely to me. And so the question would be for you, hmm, is it worth the risk? I know I don't want my heart to hurt anymore. I get that. I don't want my heart to hurt anymore. But if indeed the man that you married, the man that you were in love with before, not the man that he became when he got into this thing, but but if if you got back the man you had before, only better, because of the fact that he's learned a lot about himself, about life, about you, about what's important. If you could have that—that that, let's just call him the good guy. If you could have that good guy back with that extra knowledge, would it be worth risking potentially getting your heart hurt again? Now, I can't answer that question for you. Only you can. But you know, based on my experience. If I I were a betting man, I would bet that you have a good shot at putting this marriage back together if you want. Now realize, the ball's in your court. You can just say to him, leave me alone, don't call me again, I am done with you. And if you make that decision, I don't know that anybody's going to blame you. But if you start thinking about all the years you had together, all the good times you had together, and rescuing the good good guy, quote-unquote, that he was then maybe just maybe it's worth the risk. At this point, I at least recommend or suggest that you take those calls every day and that as he begins to open up to you, maybe just maybe you risk opening up a little bit to him as well. And who knows? It sounds to me like if you want to put this marriage back together, you got a pretty good shot at it, my friend, but it's your decision. We're going to stay in Canada and we're going to go over to Michelle. Hi, Michelle. How are you today? Yeah.
7: Hi, I'm um, pretty good. How are you?
1: Rockin' and bobbin. How may I help you, my friend?
7: <laughs> well, um, I have been separated from my husband since mid-November, um, and it came as quite a shock to me. And mm. uh, we went through a few different um, <laughs> variations of what that separation looked like, and Moved in, moved out, moved in. Um, mm, he's now mm-hmm. living full time back at home because of uh, the virus. We're all on lockdown right. or right. close to lockdown or whatever it is.
5: Mm-hmm. And
7: um, I'm having a lot of trouble. Um, like I feel um, like uh, <laughs> trying to not take on the blame um, mm-hmm. or not get triggered. And like I, I do med, I meditate, I do yoga, I go for runs, I do all the good things. Um, but Good. I'm still getting very triggered when he blames, like he, it, it's, he's come a long ways. He he totally blame me for the relationship, um, falling apart. Like it was just all my fault. Um, so mm-hmm. he's starting to see his role on it. Um, but we still get very, very triggered. Um, we trigger each other, especially when he starts to blame me and then I can't mm-hmm. listen to him anymore. And I, you know, Can put you my
1: give me uh, an example of like something he would do when he's blaming you. What would he say?
7: Um, for instance, um uh, my dad lent us twenty thousand dollars last week to pay off our credit mm-hmm. cards because of the virus and my business being shut down. Um mm-hmm. he agreed to that. I gave him a lot of space for it and let him answer my dad on his own terms and he said he would agree to it and then he went and bought a TV. Um mm. after my dad gave the money, which I was just completely shocked. Um, mm-hmm. I just said, I can't believe you just went and bought a TV. Like, I can't. I just, I was just in shock.
5: <laughs> mm-hmm. gotcha. and, uh,
7: and then he just immediately told me that, you know, this is all my fault. You know, it was my business. I should never have started it. It was just complete blame of um, everything How old that happening in our relationship. If I may ask, He's
1: thirty-four.
6: Thirty-four.
5: Is I'm, he? I'm has 45. he had
1: a, a history of acting immaturely, or is he been a pretty mature guy for his age most of the time?
7: I think he has a history of um, not doing what he wanted to do and people-pleasing um, and, and not standing up for himself, And which is how I found that it, I'm mm-hmm. so shocked because he didn't tell me how he felt throughout most of our relationship or he would tell okay. me sometimes. But, and so, so is he now being pretty told... much
1: the opposite of that? Is he now pretty yeah. much blaming anybody and everybody Yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So he's made like a 180 there. Okay. Yes. Yeah. Do you want this marriage to work? Most days. <laughs> 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 we, we have we have a four year
7: old, and um, mm-hmm. we we bought a house in mm-hmm. last summer, and three months after we bought the house, he decided the marriage was over. And, um, uh, mm-hmm. um, and so I just, it was just, and again, super shocking to me. Cause he, he said, Oh well, I never really wanted the house. I'm like, but you signed, okay. you didn't say that you signed it. <laughs> um, okay. So what, yeah. what made the so change? Why want... did he all
1: of a sudden changed the way he was, where he was this laid back and lit in, in his mind, people don't know for him, changed over to no, I'm I'm going to stand up and blame everybody else. What do you think precipitated that?
7: He went on antidepressants, actually, in September, um, and mm-hmm. that started a lot of changes in him. Ah. Uh-huh. Um, yeah. So he mm-hmm. started, um, yeah.
1: Are the antidepressants helping his depression?
7: It seems to. I mean, he he does... But he, it also changed does.
1: his personality.
7: It did, yeah.
1: hmm Okay. You, do you think if you were able to have a conversation with him, open an honest conversation where you say, look, I I would like to put the marriage back together and there's some work we're going to have to do, but, but I'm going to ask, I'm going to ask a couple of things of you if we do this and you can ask things of me. I'm glad to listen. But one thing is, if okay, I go visit your physician together, and this will be the, whichever physician prescribed this, I know that your medical system in Canada is not the same as it is in the USA. So you'll have to work this based on your system, and then tell the physician, okay, this this changed my husband's personality to the point where we're having great marriage difficulties. Are, is there some other uh, antidepressant that you can either add to this or replace this with? That would do really good about the depression, but help him with this anger. Because typically when people are blaming other people, it's based on anger. Am I correct about that with him? Mm-hmm. As it is it his anger? Mm-hmm.
7: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. He okay. gets very angry well, very easily now.
1: It would. I'm, I'm guessing, Michelle, that the first thing you're going to have to do is get the physician to change to a different... Antidepressant. Now, it's according to which antidepressant it is, and, and that's as far as I can go with that because I do not have a medical degree. But sometimes, with an antidepressant, there's another pill, another medicine, I should say, that they could give with it that actually offsets some of the more negative effects. And And what I'm hearing here is that it's probably a good thing that he's standing up for himself, but it's a bad thing that he's gone too far the other way, so that now it's yeah. everybody else's fault he's taking no responsibility and My guess is that until you get that medicine regulated where it's not affecting him with mm-hmm. this anger, then you're going to continue to be angry because of the attacks and I don't know how you're going to fix this if the medicine's causing it you. Am I making any sense with this whatsoever?
7: Yeah, absolutely. Um, Unfortunately, he is very happy with his medication, so I don't think that's an option. (laughs) He's very clear that he's very happy with the medication.
5: So
1: do you have any kind of open and honest conversations where that in a conversation you can say, let me tell you how I feel. I love the fact that your medication is helping with your depression. That makes me very happy. But also I feel that it gets it directs a lot of anger toward me. Are you to the point where you could have that kind of conversation and he would actually hear you.
7: I don't know that he'd hear me on the medication because I was skeptical about it in the beginning anyway. (laughs) So he really thinks that I'm just trying to
1: control him. Hmm. Wow. This is a tough one, Michelle, because based on what you're telling me, most of this started with it, with the medication. And that's what I heard pretty clearly. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, I, I wish you well. I really do. But until such oh, time as you, you can talk openly and honestly about it, if indeed, if indeed the medication is a factor here, then it's going to be dealt with. Now, back to the original thing is how do you deal with your own anger being blamed? Yeah. Remember that when you respond to him, try to talk in terms of yourself and not in terms of him. In other words, instead of saying, right. how dare you accuse me? How dare you blame me or whatever that tone of voice you say, uh, may I tell you how much it hurts? when I feel like that I'm being blamed for everything. I'm very willing to accept responsibility for whatever I've done, but I just need you to understand how much it hurts, how much it hurts when I feel that I'm being mistreated. Okay. All right. Now we got to go back to the USA and go to Texas and talk to Mario. Hi, Mario. How are you today? Hello, Mario. Are you there? Hey, Dr. Bean. Hello. My computer just made a funny noise. I thought it hung up on me. I'm sorry. Okay, how may I help you today, my friend?
8: Um, I, uh, my wife's asked me for a divorce,
1: um,
8: and uh, we've moved seven times in seven years of our marriage. Wow. And um, we're separated right now because of the move.
5: Hmm.
8: Uh, but we're back in the same city. But she didn't let me move in with her.
5: She mm-hmm. told me that she
8: doesn't love me. Mm-hmm. And um, in the past year, she admitted to me that she tried to commit suicide. She's had a hysterectomy.
5: Huh.
8: And we moved again. So we, she's, we moved every time to with her job.
1: I'm sorry, I didn't hear that last thing. You moved why?
8: We moved every time because of her job. She would either get a promotion or she didn't I like see. where she was at. And we moved okay.
1: Okay. And Uh, is your wife depressed, my friend?
8: She says she's not anymore. She sent me a text message over Christmas that said she's uh, happy. She feels Mm -hmm. free now, and she's not depressed. And last time we spoke, uh, she was not on any antidepressants, but she was when we were in Phoenix.
1: Okay. All right, so she wants a divorce, and she is – Telling you she wants to divorce from you because why?
8: She's not happy, or she doesn't love me anymore.
1: Okay. How old is she?
8: Um, she's thirty-one. I'm thirty-two.
1: Okay. As far as you know, is there anybody else?
8: I don't think so. She says she want. Initially, she told me she wanted to be alone.
1: Hmm. And so, what is so miserable about living with you, according to her?
8: Uh, for the last year that we were in Arizona, I was very, um, I was very closed in and was really depressed myself. I just mm-hmm. couldn't see it, even though I was <laughs> taking antidepressants. I don't know if I just wasn't showing any emotion or or what, but there'd be times she would ask us to go to the movies and, um, you know, I'd say, okay. And then 20 minutes later, I'm like, no, I don't want to go. Mm-hmm. And for no really good reason. hmm So she said that behavior and then um, I've had some controlling behavior that in my mind Mm -hmm. wasn't controlling. Mm
5: -hmm. And then
8: she's also told me why I never wanted to do things with her. And um, she became very involved in exercising and fitness. And um, and there were several times she wanted me to go. I was like, no, I don't want to go. That's not what I'm interested in. And... um, and I think what I, what I had done is I had built up this mental block to exercising, thinking exercise was stealing her from me.
1: So anything okay. she wanted
8: to do, was working out, running marathons or anything like that.
1: Okay, I so what's the latest? Masterful. Is there anything you've done recently that she's mad at?
8: Yes, um, we stopped verbally talking about four weeks ago.
5: Mm-hmm. We had went
8: to a church service mutually, and we mm-hmm. talked afterwards. And then at one point, she brought up the fact that she said she didn't think it was possible to ever love me again. And it was the wrong thing to say, but I said, do you really believe that standing outside of a church?
1: Uh, Okay. And she reacted angrily?
8: Not really angrily, but what surprised me is I told her I was going to fight the divorce. She said, I won't Mm -hmm. make it easy for you. That night, she texted me. Um, Mm -hmm. I haven't felt this bad about myself in a while. I didn't respond later in the night. She texted me again while I was asleep that, well, kind of asleep. I read it that, um, she would go to counseling to get off my back so she could move on with her life because she Mm -hmm. didn't ever want to feel like this again.
1: Okay. And she felt down on herself because of the fact that she felt what guilty or what, what's going on?
8: I don't know. That was just the text message.
1: Okay. All right. Well, I'm looking at what's written here that you told our screener, which says that you did a major push. Is this the major push that you're referring to?
8: I think so. She told me while we're in the parking lot, you know, you're shoving the church down my throat. We're both Mm -hmm. Roman Catholics.
1: Mm Mm-hmm. Okay. And so you definitely want to save the marriage. I get that. You love this woman. I get that. There are times when there are pushes that need to be done. I call those essential pushes. That's like if you, if you need to, for example, get child support, those kinds of things. Those are essential pushes. Then there are controlling pushes. Controlling pushes are like, I, this is something I can do because I'm trying to control you. I'm trying to make you do what I want you to do. And then there are pushes that I call vengeance pushes, which is, here's something I'm going to do just to tick you off or hurt you because I'm mad at you. And so she apparently is interpreting this as a controlling push. And so to some degree it worked because of the fact that she felt guilty and she felt down on herself because she was guilty. My suggestion would be, my friend, that if indeed the Catholicism, her religion is important to her, that you go see a priest that also has communication with her and you just present it to the priest. Say, here's my situation. Would you be willing to talk to my wife and try to help us save this marriage? If the priest says, no, I won't do that, find another one. (laughs) Good grief. But the, the fact that she's had that many moves, it's all been for her and she, and you reacted to that to some degree with depression and those kinds of things would not participate in her life. She does not view you as a partner in life. She does not see you as a partner in what she wants to do. Now, If you think about it, there's kind of a mix up there because of the fact that you moved seven times just for her. So you really have demonstrated trying to be that partner, trying to be there for her. But you know, there's a difference in being with a person physically and being with a person emotionally. Now, both are important. They both are important. But physically, you were there. But what I'm hearing you say is that she didn't hear you as being there emotionally for her. And so how are you going to fix that? Well, you can't force it on her. You cannot make her see that. We talk about a thing called pies, and if you haven't been to it yet, go to YouTube.com slash marriage helper, marriage help, E-R, marriage helper, all one word, and look for the words about pies, okay? And when you find that there, you can see a lot about what you can do to start being physically attractive, intellectually attractive, emotionally attractive. And that's going to be the really, really big one for you. Emotionally attractive and spiritually attractive. Now, unfortunately, you kind of did the backwards thing, that spiritual and that you was re- repulsed. But all that can be fixed. All of it can be fixed. Now, I can't guarantee you it'll be fixed. But I'll tell you what, Mario, I'm going to uh, have our folks call you. And if you have a client representative, we'll find out who that is and have Hammer contact you. And, and I want to make a gift, if I may, to you of our 10-week online course. And it will tell you step by step by step some of the things that she that you can do that if anything works, this will work. If anything works, this will work. Okay, and then we're gonna go over to Maine and we're gonna talk to Rick. Hi Rick, how may we help you today?
9: Hi, how you doing today?
1: Rocking and bopping, my friend. What can I do for you?
9: Well, uh, to put it in a nutshell, I'm pretty devastated. My wife left uh, back in October, mm-hmm. and she filed for divorce on February 28th, mm-hmm. and she still comes down to the house every night and mm-hmm. cooks dinner. I, uh, we have two kids, one 19, one 16. My 16-year-old son's still staying here at the house with me, and my wife moved over to her sister's house back in October. Mm-hmm. Uh, we weren't getting along well. Um and ever since she left, I've been, of course, trying everything. I fell right apart, trying everything, begging her to come home and everything else. And she didn't want to come home. And then she came down and spent the night. We had Christmas with the kids together. And things have kind of gone back and forth. And, and we've had different conversations back and forth. And she was coming down, cooking dinner a couple times a week. And then, then it got so now she comes down every night. She's here for the last two months probably she's been here every night cooking dinner and she cleans the house once a week. And, you know, she said, it's just for Alex, her son
1: who's at home. Mm -hmm. So how may I help you, my friend? What can I do for you?
9: Well, I'm just wondering, you know, I've been doing the smart contact. I've been dealing with Rusty and doing the smart contact. And, you know, I'm just wondering, Mm -hmm. you know, I really want to save my marriage. Of course, you know, we've been together 23 years, married 13. Mm -hmm. And I think things fell apart started to fall apart in the, in the summer of 2018.
1: Mm -hmm. How may I help you today? What can I do for you today?
9: Well, I guess I'm just wondering, uh, two weeks ago, we had a really good discussion together and she said she didn't know if she was making the right choice by divorcing me, but -hmm. she thought it was something she had to do right now for herself. And we had a really good talk and she said she still wants to be friends and we had a really good talk back and forth, and I told her I don't want a divorce, you know,
1: but she's already filed mm-hmm. the papers. Mm-hmm. And, and so I, what can I do for you? How can I help?
9: Well, we had a really good week, and then she kind of went back to not having a good week, and I'm just, and I kind of asked her the other night, you know, what's wrong? What have I done? I, you know, I haven't done anything. I've been in, in the smart contact. You know, I've only been, you know, talking when she wants to talk, and I haven't been doing mm-hmm. much, and she said it was really irritating her that I'm still wearing my wedding ring after she said she wanted a divorce.
1: So is that the question, so, whether or not you should be wearing your wedding ring?
9: Right. I mean, should I, you know, I just wanted to show her that I still love her and I still want mm-hmm. to be her husband. You know, okay, so
1: here it, what I'm hearing it, you say, what I'm hearing you say is that you're wearing it so that she will know that you still love her, that you want to be her husband. But I'm also hearing you say that she's irritated by it. And so if your purpose of wearing it is to let her know that you love her and that you want to be with her, it's not working. I mean, you just told me that she's irritated about it, that she doesn't want you to do that. And so let's see, I, if we've I've been talking about this the entire program, maybe I can say it again. You know, there are pushes that are essential. I've got to do this because it's extremely important. I can't give it up. And I keep giving the example like I need child support. There are also vengeance pushes like I'm going to cause you some at least discomfort, if not absolute misery, by something I'm going to do to push you here. And then there's the controlling. And if indeed you're wearing this because you want to show her, hey, I love you, I want to make this thing work. But but you see that the reaction is it makes her mad. My question is, why do you continue to do it? If it's not working with what you want it to do, if it's not working for what you wanted to do, then why would you do that? I think that's a pretty significant question. And then we're going over to Texas. Talk to Joe. Hi, Joe. How may we help you?
0: Hi, Dr. Joe. Beam. I'm- Glad to have
1: you with us. What can I do for you, my friend?
0: Well, recently I've stepped up and did some boundaries for myself. Me mm-hmm. um, and my wife have been separated since uh, September. Mm-hmm. and she had an affair and is pregnant with uh, another person's child. It may not even be mine. We don't know. Mm-hmm. But during that time, you know, we kind of agreed on, I helped her get a car so she can have transportation to get to work and whatnot. But when she when she left, she ended up moving away. And the boundary was, I you mean, know, the what we kind of agreed on was if she didn't help pay for the car, pay for the insurance, that I would take mm-hmm. it during March. The mm-hmm. weekend I took it. And I feel like since then, she, she's pretty much lashed out at me. Mm-hmm. She She's pretty much making me feel like I was the bad guy for holding, you know, keeping this boundary, keeping the agreement we made and,
1: and she fully agreed to that. When you made the agreement, she agreed to that completely? Yes. Yeah. yes. And she didn't feel like she was forced to agree to it. In other words, it was what we would say enthusiastically agreed. What what I mean by that is she didn't feel pressured or forced or coerced that she willingly did that, right? Yes. Okay.
0: And then and now she's kind of lashing out to where she, she's making me feel like I was a bad person for for Holding up my end of the deal, mm-hmm. you know. And, and she, how far behind I mean, is she
1: I'm on the payments, my friend, if I may ask?
0: Well, I'm the one making the payments.
1: I see, but on the agreement, whatever her deal was, how far behind is she?
0: She was pretty much three months behind. I gave her a couple of months to help to get a new job where she moved at, and you know she did get one job, lost it. She got another Mm -hmm. job, but she wasn't really giving me anything. And then she was always asking for money, asking for this. Mm -hmm. Me being the big-hearted person as I am, I ended up kind of being a doormat and ended up giving her money, keep on giving her money.
5: Mm
0: -hmm. Like I said, at this point, you know, one of one of the terms with the car is I wanted communication, and I haven't got that either.
1: Okay. Was that defined and... clearly, Joe? I mean, communication is kind of a broad spectrum of things there. I mean, when you agreed to that before the car was purchased, did you identify and clarify what that meant? Yes. And so you both had an exact same, uh, or at least as close as human beings can, understanding of what it went to communicate. She knew what was expected of her, It was very clear. That's what you're telling me? Yes, sir. Okay. And so she's not communicating with you. Is she, what kind of a lifestyle is she living right now, Joe?
0: Right now, she's living a selfish lifestyle. She's doing whatever she wants. But she pretty much, when we separated, you know, she said that she didn't love me anymore.
5: Mm-hmm.
0: She wanted a divorce. You know, she was kind of lashing out loud Mm-hmm. Said person, where she that was she was involved with, texted me and saying, "Hey, she's been sending me this, and pretty much." Okay, so she left you
1: for she, another guy. Is that what you're telling me? Yes. Okay, and so even though she left you for another guy, she's still involved with him.
0: I don't know. I she she doesn't speak of him, and I too afraid to ask at times.
1: Okay, all right. And so the question I'm seeing here, the question you gave our, uh, our screener is, how do you deal with the consequences? What are the consequences, my friend? You took the car back, and, and she's blaming you for that. What other consequences are there?
0: Well, we have the only kind of communication she's really ever given me is, you know, and the solid communication we both agreed on was, you know, phone call here and there. You know, a video chat maybe, but I wasn't getting any of that. And with texting, it was maybe one or two texts per four or five hours.
1: Mm -hmm. And And so when you came to get the car back, how did you do that? I mean, did you just go uh, over there and look her in the eye and say, give me the keys? Or did you get it back in some other fashion?
0: Um, I had a family member take me down to where she lives at and she she pretty much gave me the car but it was one of those I left the key in the car, I don't want to see you type of event.
1: Okay. All right.
0: And this is the and the first time that I saw the area she lived in it I was kinda horrified from what I
1: saw. Okay, so she's not living high on the hog then as we would say in the deep south. She's not Whatever job she has, she's not using that money to rent a really fancy place and that kind of thing, right?
0: No, because she's living with one of the guys that – pretty much the guy that she left you.
1: Oh, so she's living with the guy she left you for. So here's my question, Joan. Why are you worried about the consequences?
0: Because I still have hope for our marriage. But I feel like okay. she's, every time I ask of any kind of, you know, communication with with her, mm-hmm. with, you know, what she wants, she keeps on telling me she don't know. She doesn't know what she wants. She says she loves okay. me, but doesn't love me that way.
1: Okay. Has she asked for the car back?
0: <sighs> Not yet, but she's pretty much made me feel so guilty the whole entire time I've taken it. And it's only been two three days.
1: Well, a person can do what they can to try to incite guilt within you, but guilt doesn't come from what they say or do. Guilt comes from what you feel. And so, Joe, if you feel guilty about it, then maybe you need to deal with that. If you feel like you did the right thing, then you need to stick by it. You know, we often recommend that if a person is going to make some kind of a boundary, and we call them stops, and we call them stops for this. It stands for safeguard that offers protection, S-T-O-P, safeguard that offers protection. And so we typically say, okay, who? Who needs protecting and what do they need protecting from and how's that protection going to occur? And so the kind of boundary that you set, we wouldn't actually call that a boundary. We'd call what you did a legal contract. Here's a legal contract. I'm going to provide this vehicle for you, but this is what I expect of you in return. And so I want you to do this. Now, when I heard you say, you know, a FaceTime or video chat or something every once in a while, a call every so often, I would recommend, my friend, that if you're going to make a contract with somebody, that's just way too vague. It would be, this is what I'm asking from you. Are you willing to give this? And would you be okay with it? I don't want you to agree to anything that you'll feel that you're being controlled by You know, It has to be where you feel good about it. And so if if we're going to make an agreement that you're going to call, okay, let's talk twice a week, three times a week, whatever the right number is. If we're going to video chat, okay, let's do that at least once a week, once every two weeks. In other words, you make it specific because if it's not measurable and both of you can know exactly if it's happening as it should be or not, then it's not enforceable. Because of the fact that you say she wasn't giving me any kind of contact at all. And yet, Joe, what I heard, and I'm not trying to put you down, I am convinced that you actually deeply love this woman. I believe that. Just listening to you and the pain in your voice, you love her. And you want to be with her. And you want to take care of her. Yes. She's living with a guy that she left you for, whether she's involved with him or not. She's living with a guy she left you for. She's been asking you for money, which means that she's not been able to make enough to do whatever it is that she's wanting to do. She's asked you for a vehicle that you provided for a period of time with a, Based on what I'm hearing, a pretty vague contract, a pretty vague agreement in between the two. So Joe, my suggestion is, and again, you do what you think is best. Okay. If you feel, if you feel that guilt, And if that guilt is predicated on the fact that you actually think that maybe you weren't fair, like you should have been, then my recommendation would be this. Call her back and say, you know, uh, I've been thinking that maybe we didn't have a clear enough agreement. And so maybe I was a little uh, quick on the trigger here. And so here's what I'd like to do. Let's make an agreement that we write down and agree to. Okay. And then we're both going to sign. So we both know exactly what it is. And we'll make it so specific that there's no question about whether you or I, anyone, is doing what he or she is supposed to be doing. And if she then agrees to that, okay, then you can give her the car back if you want to. If on the other hand, you think, no, if I give her the car back, even if I were to make another deal with her, if I give her the car back, mm, then. It's just going to make things worse, then don't. And the only person who can decide that, Joe, is you. Okay, we're going to go to Ohio now and go to Jennifer. Hi, Jennifer. How are you today?
3: I'm good. How are you?
1: Rocking and bopping. How may I help you, my friend?
3: Um, So my husband has, um, you know, like everybody else's husband, probably he was literally people, my friends used to call him St. Bill. He was really that good and kind. It never uh, hurts anybody. So, given that he is lumines with my ex-best friend Kim, mm-hmm. and it's been going on for, I mean, you know, I won't go through all the details. of all, you know, textbook exactly what everybody says that he did everything, is doing everything. I have four daughters. They're seventeen, twenty-one, twenty-four, and twenty-six. They are holding their dad to the moral standard that he's always had, and Kim. She was fun and wild and partied all the time and really funny, so we were drawn to her. But clearly, no morals. She, you know, had been married before. Same thing was with her second husband before she got divorced. And so now she she's seduced my husband. She was in Limerick's first. So my question for you is: um, My girls have they are you know basically have ghosted him for a year now, and it's he his family is finally coming around to really kinda of waking up that there's something really wrong because they didn't know for mm-hmm. a while. My brother my brother in law thinks he has an aneurysm and I'm like, no, it's limerence <laughs> so mm-hmm. but tell like if, if it's keep it's it's still pushing him into limerence harder or if it's gonna like should they I mean should they try to have a relationship with him? I know it's not really my place. I know they have to make that decision. They're grown adults, but That's correct. But obviously I can, you know, like, have some influence, especially on my 17-year-old. And, um, you know, because her daughters still talk to her. The, um, my youngest daughter, Charlotte, who's 17, she was best friends with Kim's daughter. So to add, okay. to add a twist. And Kim was really good friends with all my kids, too. So they feel betrayed. I mean, she would, you know, do yoga and drinks mm-hmm. and everything with all my adult daughters. So there's just this, I mean, it's just not going to work out. Like, they are not willing to have her in their in their lives. They won't, they're that adamant about it.
1: Right. I understand. So
3: it's going to be okay. A couple of him. things going on here.
1: A couple of things yeah, going wrong. on here. Then.
3: Yeah.
1: Okay. The fact that uh, the poor daughters won't speak to him, you say, how does that affect limerence? It can actually go one of either way. Uh, sometimes when a person feels that it's, it's my, a fair partner in me against the world. Nobody is on our side. Nobody's on my side, except she is. My daughters are mm-hmm. against me. My wife is against me. My friends are against me. And if he, if he views it like that, then it actually will, yes. at least in the short term, push them closer together. Okay. If it's, if it's mm-hmm. me, if it's he and me against the world, then yeah, it actually will increase limits to some degree short term. On the other okay. hand, if you can put consequences with it. Now, if you go to our website, Marriage Helper, that's Marriage Helper, Marriage com and then in that little search feature at the top, type in intervention. And and I've,
3: seen that a, I've seen it a mm-hmm. lot. And, um, you know, it's hard to get, it's taken months to kind of poke my network, like his family, into, you know, because first they think I'm just a scorned wife. And so. And my daughters just really don't want to deal with it. They know about limerence. They don't want to hear it anymore. They don't want to look at the intervention videos. Um, well, if only they don't want to do better, that,
1: then don't worry about it. Right, because the ones right, who would have right. the most effect, the ones who would have most effect with the intervention would be your daughters. And if they don't want to do that, right. then I certainly wouldn't try to make them do that, try to force them to do that. And so I think it. you're right. What you said earlier, it's really their decision about what they do one way or the other, not yours, but theirs. But just ignoring him, having nothing to do with him, you might, if you're ever just sitting around with the four of them and you're having a conversation where it's open and honest and nobody feels defensive or like they got to you know, defend themselves, you might point out to them that, you know, not having any effect, anything to do with him at all might have an effect one way or the other. If you really want to try to get your dad back, then the only thing that would make sense is to do the intervention. But if you don't want to do that, I certainly wouldn't want to push you to do that and it has to be their decision. Well, our hour is up, and I hope that we can do this again next Monday, according to all the equipment in my office. My home office is what we're doing this now, my home studio, and uh, there are a lot of flaws here, (laughs) but assuming we can do it, we'll see you next week beginning at 1230 Central Time on Monday. Thank you for being with us.